1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, as we get into part 3 of the working of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 15. I'm going to go ahead and tell you tonight, we are using a lot of Scripture. And it's not my custom, really, to jump around from passage to passage to passage, but what a scriptures I'm going to be giving you tonight are in context and relate to the subject matter. So it's really to just build the framework. So join me tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. Here it goes. It's the Apostle Paul. He said, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with the excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know, not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Look at verse 7, the emphasis in the notes are mine. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. Notice this, which God has ordained before the ages for our glory, by which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, notice this, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which, <laughs> hallelujah, which we've been given to us freely by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Lord, thank you. For your word tonight, I pray, speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray, take this word and make it a rhema word to us and help us to see what your word says to us tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said a hallelujah, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as I said, good evening, everybody, and I'm glad that you're here. And I want to tune in your attention tonight for a few moments on this subject, the wisdom of God in a mystery. The wisdom of God in a mystery. As I mentioned a moment ago, there is no ifs, ands, and buts about it. We are a spirit-filled church. And if you've ever hung around a spirit-filled church long enough, you have heard somebody speak in tongues. Has anybody ever heard anybody speak in tongues before? Come on, even if it was yourself, raise your hand. All right. Uh, listen, it's just going to happen. Last week, we talked about the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about salvation the week before that. Salvation is when the work of the Holy Spirit is there convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And he's converting us, bringing us out of darkness and, and placing us into the kingdom of light. That's salvation. That's the Holy Spirit moves in at that point. 
Then we talked about the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the Acts 2-4 experience. That's what happens after a believer is born again. It is a, a second work of grace or an endowment of power. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is accompanied, if you read all throughout the book of Acts, and it's even actually referenced in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, is, is accompanied with the initial physical or outward evidence of speaking with tongues. You say, is it really that big of a deal? It is. Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. In Acts chapter 2, the first initial outpouring of the Spirit, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak with tongues. Then they go to Cornelius' house, who was a, a, a Gentile of the Italian regime. And while Peter was yet preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they heard them speak with tongues and prophesy, magnify God. Then you see in Acts 19, you see the, uh, Paul finds some disciples of John, and he asked them, had they received the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we ain't even heard about that. And so he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with tongues. So what I'm trying to show you is this issue of tongue speaking is not an anomaly. It wasn't a one-time thing that happened in the book of Acts. The Spirit-filled life is something that you see all throughout the book of Acts, and is referenced within the epistles. Uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5, 18, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Praying always in the Spirit, one other place he says. And there's the admonition for us to be Spirit-filled all throughout the Scripture. But tonight, even with this understanding, there are a lot of people who don't go much further in their understanding of the Spirit-filled life. In fact, there are some people, if you were to ask them, have you been filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit? They'll say, well, yes, yes, I have. But they haven't really gone further in that. And I want you to know something tonight, that it is a starting point, not an ending point. God has a marvelous, spirit-filled life for you. He wants you to live that spirit-filled, abundant life. Now, I ask you the question, um, and uh, you raised your hand, how many of you had ever heard somebody speak in tongues? Now, I'm going to ask another question, and you do not have to raise your hand because I don't want you to be embarrassed. But how many of you have heard somebody speak in tongues, but you still just really don't understand it? Tonight, I want to help you. Tonight, I want to help you understand what it means when people are praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit. Um, I've got Scripture upon Scripture upon Scripture tonight that I'm going to show you that I think will be a blessing to you. So uh, as we get into this, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever played hide-and-go-seek? I loved it as a kid. There's um, an attraction to hide-and-go-seek, both on the hider and both on the seeker. Uh, on the hider, it's the ability to hide and to conceal yourself and try to find the best places where you're not hidden. Then the seeker has this responsibility, and there's the thrill of trying to find quickly the one who is hiding. And so we, we see this hide-and-go-seek, but I want to ask you a question tonight. What if I told you God hides stuff? Hmm. Maybe, maybe you've never heard this before, but tonight I want to give you some scripture. Because I believe God hides stuff from us 
but for us. I'm going to say it one more time. I believe God hides stuff not from us, but for us. See, we serve a God who wants us to seek him. Hello. I see y'all are not tracking with me, so let's, let's go a little deeper here. You might want to put on your, your floaters tonight. Look at Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. David says that God desires for us to have truth in our inward parts, but in our hidden parts, he will make known to us wisdom. Proverbs, Solomon writes over and over again, and he tells us to seek after wisdom. We're to seek after it like precious gold and precious silver. We're to seek after wisdom because God has wisdom for us. He just wants us simply to ask him for it. So God hides wisdom that must be sought. You don't believe me? Why do he speak in parables to everybody? He said, for it is not unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Lots of scripture tonight. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Help me, somebody. Hidden in a field, which a man, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys the field. So notice what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. What? Hidden, it's hidden, right? Treasure hidden in a field. So the kingdom, there's an aspect of the kingdom that's hidden. Look at Jeremiah 29, 13. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Let me ask you a question. Why would you need to seek after God and search after God if he wasn't hiding himself? Are you with me? The moment I stop preaching Bible, jump up and run out the door. I'm telling you tonight, God often hides things. But I got something that's going to trip all of you out tonight. You ready? Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Look at this. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Though not only does he hide wisdom, not only does he hide his, his manifest presence, not only does he hide the mysteries of the kingdom, he's hidden your life. Your life is hidden where? With Christ in God. Now, isn't that crazy? Now, see, we read over these passages over and over and over again, and a lot of times we never think about it. So what does that mean? Well, last week we talked about when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us at salvation, and then he empowers us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? This, uh, this well on the inside turns into a rushing mighty river that flows from within our innermost being. We see something amazing that happens. Now, when we get saved, let me show you something. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Notice he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, of, of, of Jesus our Lord. Notice, as his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us 
by glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Bible says that God has given us all things. Somebody say all things. He either gave us some things or he gave us all things. It says he gave us all things pertaining to what? Life and godliness. That means when we got saved, God did a work in our spirit man. And he gave us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now here's one that's going to trip us up. Let's look at this. We're getting ready to go somewhere deep tonight. Are you ready? 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you, somebody say you. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, pause. He said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, first of all, I want to tell you, the word anointing there, uh, it speaks of the abiding or the residency of the Holy Spirit upon a person's life. You see, when the Holy Spirit regenerates us, moves on the inside of us, believers receive an anointing because the Holy Spirit comes on the inside. Now, the anointing, the Bible teaches it two different ways. There's a, the anointing that's within us. That's what we live by. Then there's the anointing that comes upon us. That's what we serve by. That's why there are some people who live um, a not-so-holy life but yet it seems like God still uses them because they got messed up character. But an anointing, a gift, comes on somebody to be used. So, follow me. The writer of 1 John says, you have an anointing. It's not a preacher scripture. It's writing to believers. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, here's the million-dollar question. You ready for this? Here's the million-dollar question. If you know all things then why is it that you don't know all things? Do you know all things with your carnal mind? Or are you still learning? Huh? Anybody read a book lately? Anybody watched a video lately? A tutorial? Come on, you attended a seminar, a class. How is it that you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things, but yet you don't know all things? Can I tell you? Because our spirit man knows it. But our carnal mind is not. See, I lost you, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. It's because you know it in your spirit, but not in your mind. See, the Bible says that the carnal fleshly mind, according to our text tonight, cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, what am I trying to, to tell you tonight? I'm trying to tell you that, that our carnal mind is still fleshly. But when we're saved, God renews our spirit, and our spirit becomes righteous. Our spirit is made in the image of God. And what we have to realize then is that when we are born of the spirit and when we are filled of the spirit and we seek to be led by the spirit, God's doing a work 
on the inside of us through our spirit. Now, I told you God hides things. He hides wisdom. He hides his omnipresence. He says, seek me and you will find me. When you seek me, draw near to me and I will draw near unto you when you seek me with all of your heart. But notice this, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Notice this, the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages for our glory. Now listen, are y'all listening to me? My wife gets away from home, I got more time to study. Hello. The Bible talks a lot about God's glory, but it doesn't talk a lot about our glory. And the word glory in this passage, it means advancement, promotion, riches. So notice this, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages for our glory. Now, how many of you believe God knew you before your mom and daddy knew you? People arguing about does life begin at conception? It don't. Life begins in the mind of God. That's what the scripture says. Yeah, the scientific process happens in conception, but, but listen, nothing happens unless it happens in the mind of God first. But he says he's ordained it before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of the age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, notice, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man. The thing, watch this, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's awesome. But, somebody say but. But God has revealed them to us through what? His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Look at the next verse. For what knows the, the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. All right, you still tracking with me? I'm building this house. Let's go. He said, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. But why do, we not all, why do we not know all things? We don't know all things because our carnal mind doesn't know it. But our spirit man is in tune with God. And God wants us to yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one of those ways is through prayer. And so tonight... I want to talk about it a little bit. Now, let's go, let's go right here a little bit. The first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, number one, number one. Praying in tongues is prayer to God. Praying in tongues is praying to God. People say, well, why, why, you know, what's all this speaking in tongues about? You know, I don't understand what it's about. I'm telling you what it's about right now. You say, do you have scripture for that, Pastor? Yes, I do. A whole bunch of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, read it. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Okay, let's just focus on the A part of that verse right now. When a person is praying or worshiping, we're not talking about 
the expression of a, of a message in tongues, which is an address to the body, which needs an interpretation. Not talking about that. We're talking about the expression to God in worship and praise, which he's addressing in this passage. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Somebody say to God. Listen, don't you ever let the devil tell you it's foolish to pray in tongues because you don't understand what you're saying. God understands what you're saying, and that matters a whole lot. It matters a whole lot. This type of tongue does not need to be interpreted. Only a message in tongues needs interpreted because one of them is, is, is uh, God speaking to man, and the prayer aspect is man speaking to God. It's a difference. When I'm praying to God, you don't need to know what I'm saying because I might be praying about you. Right? All right. We got to keep going here. Here's the second one. Praying in tongues releases mysteries. Go back to that verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in the tongues does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, what? He speaks mysteries. Now, pause, 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 pause. When we go back to our text, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you don't have to turn back there, but I want you to draw your attention back to verse number 7. He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, hidden wisdom which God has hidden from ages to come for our glory. So when a person is speaking in tongues, you say, what are they saying? Mysteries. Mysteries. It's code. You can't understand it. There's a reason why the Bible calls it an unknown tongue. It's not only unknown to the speaker, which, by the way, Speaking in tongues is not Spanish, learning Spanish and learning a second language. It's not learning Russian. It's not learning German. It's not learning Swahili. It is a language uh, uh, in the ability to speak a language that has been divinely given by God that the speaker has never learned. You say, that don't happen. Yeah, it does. I prayed for a lady in, in, a, in a, the, the bush of Kenya one time. She was on the side of the road. She had had an accident. She was an unbeliever. We were going to a village. I, I prayed for her. The translator turned around and said, where would you learn that from? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you called her name and you said what was wrong with her and you prayed for her to be healed and she accepted Jesus. So, hello. Speak mysteries. You speak mysteries. Oh, do we still believe this stuff? Come on now. We're speaking the wisdom that is hidden in a mystery. I'm, 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 I'm going to go fast, but then I'm going to come back and I'm going to go slow. Here's another thing. You ready? Number three, praying in tongues should be a part of our prayer life. You ready? Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Notice what Paul said. For if, somebody say if. For if I pray in a tongue, what? notice what he says, my spirit prays. What's praying when you pray in tongues? Huh? Say it again. What's praying when you pray in tongues? 
Your spirit, are you just making up work? No. Your spirit prays. What part of you that I say was regenerated by the Holy Spirit? Your spirit. What part does God say he reveals his truth to? Our, our spirit. So if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind or my understanding is unfruitful. So what should you do then? Not pray in tongues? No, that's not what he said. What is the conclusion? Verse 15. Then I will pray with the Spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. Now get this. Then he says, I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding. You know you can sing in tongues if God leads you to? Yeah. See, it's a shame we don't hear this stuff more. Oh, hallelujah. See, it makes people nervous. Well, I'm sorry the Bible makes you nervous. Notice what he said. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Paul is talking about praying with the Spirit and then praying with the understanding. So that means as a Spirit-filled believer, some of your prayer time should be in your natural tongue and then some of your prayer time should be in your heavenly tongue. Hello. We should pray in the spirit and our understanding. Now, some of y'all are still looking at me like a cow at a new gate. So let me help you. If this verse doesn't help you, I don't know what else to do. Because people say, what's the purpose of all that? I got you. Number four, praying in tongues is spirit-assisted prayer. Praying in tongues is spirit-assisted prayer. People all the time, I just don't know what to pray for. You need spirit-assisted prayer. You need spirit-assisted prayer. Look at Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Aren't you glad about that? Notice. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Has anybody ever sat down to pray and you didn't know what to pray for? Crisis, trauma. You got somebody that's old and they're, they're, they're fighting for their life and they're sick in the hospital and they're about to die and you're like, you're torn in your heart. You don't know, Lord, do I pray for healing? Do I pray for them to go to heaven? What do I do? You don't know how to pray. Or when your kids frustrate you and you don't know how to pray. Or when you and your spouse are fighting and you don't know how to pray. Or when, when the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night and you have a burden to pray but you don't know what to pray for. Likewise, the Spirit helps us. Somebody say helps. He's called a helper. He helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. With groanings which cannot be uttered. The Greek there is in articulate speech. Notice that. Which cannot be uttered. Look at verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for who? Are you a saint? Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the what? To the will of God. You see, when you 
we, we are to pray in our natural language. A person that only prays in tongues has a lazy prayer life. But if we only pray with our own understanding and our understandings are misled at times, how many of you know that sometimes we can get bogged down? We can get messed up. We don't know what direction to turn. We don't know how to pray. And so when you're struggling with prayer, here's what you do. You say, Holy Spirit, come take hold with me. You yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, and you allow him to pray through you. The Bible calls that praying in tongue or praying in the Spirit. So now that makes sense, doesn't it? When you come to church and people are worshiping, they got their hands up, they're praying, whatever. You're like, well, all these people speaking in Because they're letting the Spirit help them pray. You say, I didn't know that was in the Bible. There's a lot in the Bible we don't know about. Not because, not because again, it's not there, but because it's hidden wisdom. Got to go look for it. See, Satan has no authority except to play around in your ignorance. My people perish for a lack of knowledge, right? And so, praying in the Spirit is spirit-assisted prayer. Now, I could pass the mic around the room tonight and ask people to give testimony of how this has worked in their life. Has anybody ever been woke up in the middle of the night and you didn't know what to pray for, but you felt that I can't go back to sleep until I get up and pray? It doesn't have to be in the middle of the night. Has anybody ever been prompted in the middle of the day to pray and you didn't know what to pray? But yet the Spirit is looking for somebody to make intercession through. The Spirit is looking for somebody that will yield to him in prayer because God wants his will to be done in the earth. And he's looking for somebody to yield to him. Wow. You know, i got to be honest with you. I cannot say, I, I believe confession is good for the soul. I'm a human. I'm a pastor. I'm sanctified. I'm redeemed. I'm Holy Ghost filled, but I'm still human. And I can't tell you that every prayer I've ever prayed has been according to the will of God. Sometimes my prayer's been according to the will of Brad. Because I wanted my kids to do this, and I wanted my wife to do that, and I wanted the ministry to do this, and I wanted somebody to do that. But how many of you know it, Jesus didn't say, let your will be done, meaning his, you know, somebody else's will, but he said, Father, let your will be done. And so when we pray in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us, listen, what happens? We pray the perfect will of God. There's some things you don't know exactly how to pray for. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in those areas of your prayer. Now, what's the conclusion then? The conclusion is found in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What's the conclusion? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. That means that we should spend time praying in the Holy 
spirit. Now, let me find a scripture here. I want to share something with you. I did not have this one wrote down, but I do want to share it with you. And so, let me find it here. You know, praying in the spirit is a good thing. You should try it. Amen. You don't have to do it in front of everybody. Go home and do it in private. Hallelujah. I promise you it'll help you. Well, let me see here. Praise the Lord. Well, I may not find it tonight. I might find it for you next week. But here's another scripture I want you to look at. Turn over in the singular chapter, book of Jude. Oh, no, 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 no. Go back, go back. I found it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay? All right, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Okay, Paul's distinguishing tongues and prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, follow, pursue, uh, love, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I'm talking about in, in the church, right? Meaning... With, where there's an interpretation. For he who speaks in the tongues not speak to men but to God, but for no, uh, no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now go to verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Stop there. Go back. Notice he says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. So do tongues when they're interpreted. So that's why he's saying if there's, not, if there's no interpretation, you just need to stick with prophecy in the known language. Um, but then, all right, go to the next verse. But he who speaks in a tongue, notice this, what does he do? He, he edifies what? Himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Leave it there. When you speak in tongues, you are edifying yourself. It's not a waste of time. Are you with me? He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Can I ask you a question? Do you need to be edified? I do. But then he's making a contrast here. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So what he's saying is, if I speak in a tongue to God and just be in God, hear it, then praise God, I'm being built up. But if I prophesy and everybody understands it, everybody's being built up. You see the con contrast there? Okay. But is this found elsewhere? That's what I wanted to show you. Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up. That phrase, building yourselves up there, it's the same word, edifies. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And he goes on from there and talks about some other things. But I wanted you to see that verse. Jude writes and he says, but you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We, we, we already established what praying in the Spirit is from Romans and from Corinthians. So there's really no, no room to mess this up here. Paul said if a man speaks in a tongue, he edifies himself. And Jude turns around and says, you need to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. 
it's amazing people spend time building themselves up in the gym and they spend time building themselves up taking vitamins and regimens, but they don't take time building themselves up in the Holy Ghost. Amen? So guess what? I told you, 1 John 2.20, you have an anointing and you know all things. God lives in you. That's, that's, the, that's the connotation there. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Who is God? Can we wrap our minds around that for a second? Because our concept of God is he is in heaven. And that's true. That's 100% true. God is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven at his right hand. But the Holy Spirit lives in us. Is that true or is it a lie? That means God lives on the inside of you. So, how do you access the wisdom of God? How do you access the mind of God? How do you access these hidden wisdoms that are in the Spirit? By praying in the Spirit. Can I tell you something cool I've learned? Sometimes I'll be praying about something. This happens a lot. I don't know what to pray about. I'll be praying in the Spirit, whether it's in the car or my motorcycle or the golf or whatever I'm doing, I'll be praying in the Spirit, and guess what happens? My mind will seem like it's blank, and then all of a sudden, some, something will drop in my heart, a scripture, a passage, a story, an illustration, something. Where'd that come from? Where'd it come from? came from the Spirit of God ministering through the spirit of man that's within us, right? So, after I've shown you all of this, and it's not typically how I've taught on praying in the spirit before, but <clears throat> showing you this from a different angle, is there any wonder why the devil hates this and he don't want people to do this? You know, Satan, it drives him crazy when you pray in the spirit. You know why? He don't know what you're saying. Crazy. The Bible says no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks what? Mysteries. Here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. We talked about being born of the spirit. We talked about last week being filled with the spirit. I bought 220 copies of books that you can take home and read to help you along your journey. We've given altar calls. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come. We'll pray for you. you we, I can give you phone numbers of people to call. If you don't want me to pray for I don't really care. I just want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But guess what? The third dimension is being led by the Spirit. And when you get prompted, that's God speaking to you. Right? You agree with that? When you get prompted, that's God speaking to you. He's trying to pull something out of you. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm closing with this thought. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the, 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 the sky, created the waters, he created the ground. Then after God created all of that, he begins to speak to stuff. God spoke to the ground, and he said, bring forth and bear seed-bearing herbs. You know, God never said, let there be a cucumber, let there be dill, 
Let there be cumin. Let there be. No, the Bible says he spoke the ground into existence, and then he called forth from the ground to bear forth seed. When God created the seas, right? Then he, he called forth that which was in it to produce the fish and all the things. So he never said, let there be carp, let there be catfish, whatever. He spoke to the thing and called it out. But yet when God created man, he had nobody to speak to but himself. That's why he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And from the dust, he pulled man out and formed and fashioned him. So now... Just like God spoke to stuff and it came out of it, when God wants to get something out of us, he prompts us in our spirit. I'm a firm believer. Things happen because of prayer. And Satan doesn't want the church to pray. Not only does he not want the church to pray, he doesn't want spirit-led prayer. But I promise you tonight, if you'll grab a hold of this and you'll let the Lord Jesus baptize you in fire and you'll learn to get along with God and be sensitive and let him pray through you, it'll revolutionize your prayer life. People say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray more than five minutes. If you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and learn to pray in the Spirit, you'll forget what five minutes is. You'll say, oh, man, it's 30 minutes, it's 45 minutes, it's an hour. What have I been doing? Why? Because the Spirit of God is connecting with you in your prayer. Oh, it's powerful. Amen? I want you to stand up on your feet.